Al Jazeera Podcasts. It's a deal that's raised the ire of Somalia. Breakaway Somali lands agreed to grant Ethiopia much sought access to the Red Sea. Mogadishu says it's an act of aggression and violation of its sovereignty. How will this dispute play out and is war a possibility? I'm Elizabeth Puranam and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast where we dissect, analyze and help define major global stories. Let's bring in our guests. In Jijiga, Ethiopia is Kemal Hashi Mohamud, a member of the Ethiopian parliament. In Nairobi, Matt Bryden, a strategic advisor at Sahan Research, that's a political think tank covering the Horn of Africa. And in Kampala is Abdi Ayente, former Somali Minister of Planning, Investment and Economic Development. He's also the co-founder of the Heritage Institute for Policy Studies think tank in Somalia. A very warm welcome to all of you. Mr. Mohamud, I'll start with you in Jijiga. Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed says that landlocked countries such as Ethiopia face insurmountable challenges. But why go to Somaliland to address that when it is sure to trigger a dispute? Bismillah. Uh, well, thank you. So, so I think the, the Prime Minister's call was not specific to Somaliland only. Uh, it's obvious that this great nation needs uh, uh, direct access to the sea, and for this, uh, the Prime Minister or the, or the government is leading had a call to all neighboring uh, countries, uh, officially and also so diplomatic means. And luckily, and uh, Somaliland was the first to respond. That's how it happened uh, uh, to approach Somaliland. As and that, there wasn't a specific interest to Somaliland, and this is a very positive uh, move and for mutual benefit, as it's already supported and promoted by the African Union uh, to enforce and strengthen regional integration for both, uh, you know, economic and uh, uh, social uh, uh, interests, which benefits all uh, all parties. And speak of Somaliland. Like the other uh, neighboring countries, we share not only borders, but we share also the same community who lives here and there. And this would be uh, a great benefit for both uh, uh, people living uh, uh, in Ethiopia and in Somaliland. So that's it. But there wasn't uh, a specific interest to Somaliland. But we are very thankful that Somaliland has become uh, the first uh, uh, the first to understand this and also to respond positively. We also hope that other neighboring countries we also respond. So we are okay that we have also access to other uh, places, uh, to the ports and to the sea. So uh, I would say it's only um, a, an opportunity open to all uh, neighboring uh, countries. So okay, it wasn't specific. And uh, we don't see any reason of uh, instigating any conflict or not. It's a very positive move. But of course, given that Somaliland is not recognized as a country by any other nation in the world, this is why the move has received a lot of condemnation from many different organizations. Mr. Ayente, what do you make of what you're hearing? Did Ethiopia come to, say, Somalia, which has the longest coast in Africa, the longest coastline, as uh, one of the countries in the regions that could provide it with the, the access to ports that it so desperately needs? I think uh, facts are very important here. Um, Somalia, like all the other neighboring countries to Ethiopia, has been willing to engage with Ethiopia on a mutually beneficial trading arrangement, including the use of its ports. That has never been a problem. The second fact that's critical here is that Ethiopia actually made itself a landlocked country 30 years ago in 1993, when Eritrea gained independence. And the third extremely important fact and, and context to this debate 
is that Ethiopia's economy, in fact, grew exponentially bigger when it became, after it became a landlocked country. And that's also true for other landlocked countries in Africa, like Botswana. So the notion that you're uh, impacted economically by lack of access to the sea has absolutely no grounds. Okay, let me bring in uh, Matt Bryden in Nairobi. As I mentioned, there has been a lot of condemnation. Um, Somalia said that this would amount to illegally occupying parts of the country. The Arab League has called it a violation of international law. Is it? Well, it's, it's certainly a violation of international norms and standards. I mean, the, the unity and territorial integrity of states is something that the African Union, the United Nations, uh, considered to be in principle sacrosanct. But that doesn't mean that uh, there have not been uh, new countries. In fact, many new countries have emerged since uh, the end of the, the Cold War in, in 1989 and 90. So the recognition of new states is also something fairly common. Um, and although it's it's a difficult process, it's certainly a controversial one, um, Somaliland uh, is, it has been um, de facto an autonomous polity since 1991, so 33 years, which is longer than it was uh, united with Somalia. Uh, it was an independent state before it, it, it united with Somalia. And Somaliland as well, uh, has a stronger case for independence legally and politically speaking than countries like Eritrea and South Sudan that have been recognized by the African Union and the United Nations. So it's not completely beyond the pale that Somaliland could be seeking independence and recognition, uh, but it doesn't have the uh, consent of the metropole, of the, the parent country, as it were, Somalia and Mogadishu. And so for that reason, I think we're seeing a very high level of controversy and elevated uh, tempers and rhetoric on all sides of this issue. Yeah, that's a very interesting point there. Let me put that to Mr. Mohamud. Is Ethiopia willing to, the wording isn't very clear, but is Ethiopia willing to recognize Somaliland as a sovereign nation in return for access to this port? Uh, well, uh, let's, let's hear the fact uh, with or without access to the port, uh, the demand to be independent by Somaliland has been a long-standing question. It has been almost uh, now more than three decades since Somaliland has been leading itself by its own. And long before ago, during uh, the colony, as, long, as soon as Somaliland was independent from the uh, colony, you know that it has been recognized by more than 30 countries. And after it joined uh, uh, the Union, again, uh, it just took its own choice of standing alone with see the stability within the whole of Somalia. So now it's in the process of calling for, for independence. And I see that there's a lot of uh, strong ground uh, for Ethiopia and for many other countries uh, to recognize Somaliland. So Somaliland has a, a great opportunity of being recognized. Okay, and uh, this, this goes on through the process. Okay, it sounds like you're saying that Ethiopia would recognize Somaliland as an independent nation. Mr. Ayente, we've heard from uh, various senior advisors to the Somali government saying that they are prepared to go to war over this issue. Can Somalia really afford a conflict with a country like Ethiopia that spends three times as much on its military? Well, first of all, I think it's important to say here that, in fact, it's Ethiopia is the aggressor, not Somalia. Somalia is 
simply trying to defend its sovereignty, unity, and territorial integrity, under which um, it has every right to defend so by all means possible. And as the Somali leadership have said repeatedly, their first choice is certainly not a military choice. It is diplomatic choice. It but is to try and, and, and seek yet, a, a way I'm sorry crisis. to interrupt you, Mr. Ayante, but because you are speaking about a diplomatic choice, the Somali government has also said that they do not want mediation when others have offered to mediate, that what they need is for this memorandum of understanding between Ethiopia and Somaliland to be null and void. Well, that's correct. And that is because if someone comes to, you, to your house and claims parts of it, you won't negotiate um, a way out of that. You will kick them out of your house first, and then you will talk about why they did this in the first place. So I think that's an important element here. And also another key uh, uh, element to add to this discussion is that what Ethiopia is seeking is not only a, a commercial port. They made it very clear that they want a naval base in uh, that territory. That is not only a um, an annexation of part of Somalia, but it is actually um, an occupation, an intent to occupy another country. And let's remember that Ethiopia did that 15 years ago with disastrous consequences. We have al-Shabaab precisely because Ethiopia did that 15 years ago. And they're trying to repeat the same mistake again, this time with probably greater consequences. And I do want to talk about what all of these tensions could mean for al-Shabaab in Somalia, for the fight against al-Shabaab. But um, Mr. Mohamud, if I can come to you with a point that Abdi Ayente was making, why does Ethiopia need a navy when it is a landlocked country? Uh, well, thanks so much. As you know that, you see the, uh, the whole situation in Horn Horn of Africa uh, is, is entertaining instability. Uh, as we speak, Ethiopia, uh, Ethiopia's military is, is in Somalia uh, for a peacekeeping uh, mission. The same is true with other neighboring countries. Uh, it is only to strengthen the stability and the peace uh, in the whole region. Uh, so uh, this is a very uh, bold move and positive one, uh, which also Somaliland really buys it. So I don't see any way that is going to be a threat to Somalia because we are even now in Somalia for a peacekeeping mission. So mm -hmm. I don't see any problem uh, with this. It's all, it's all for the regional situation. You know what's going on in the region is very obvious. And you know that even foreign countries, not in Africa, out of even African continents, are having bases in, in the neighboring countries, as you know. So why is it very special and suspicious when it comes from Ethiopia? Well, we share the same community and we share the same border. Okay. So this is a very positive one. It's just for the stability of the region. Okay, Mr. Bryden. To strengthen the stability and peace missions. All right, Mr. Bryden, there's been condemnation from other Red Sea neighbors, including Egypt and Eritrea. Are they afraid of Ethiopia having naval access to the Red Sea? Well, I think it's true that um, you know, Egypt and, and Ethiopia have been strategic um, competitors, if not adversaries, for, for decades. And in just the last few weeks, Egypt has withdrawn from negotiations with Ethiopia and Sudan over the management of the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam, which is to control part of the, the headwaters of the Nile River, which Egypt considers um, as essential to its well-being as Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed of Ethiopia seems to consider access to the sea. So we see an escalation in tension between Egypt and Ethiopia over the Nile waters, and Egypt, therefore, uh, apparently aligning itself with Somalia in a different dispute, this one over Somaliland. Um, at the same time, 
Eritrea, although it cooperated with the Ethiopian government in its war on the Tigray region of northern Ethiopia, uh, relations between the two states, Ethiopia and Eritrea, have now deteriorated to the point that some observers even fear that conflict between the two uh, countries uh, could be uh, in, in the near future, could be a possibility. And so perhaps Eritrea is also concerned and is now offering military support to Somalia. So there's certainly a polarization at the regional level between these, these blocks of countries. But at the same time, I think it's surprising that um, this issue has already reached the level of militarization. And to characterize Ethiopia as an aggressor in Somalia is a very sudden and unexpected development. Ethiopia has thousands of troops in southern Somalia protecting the federal government and its member states against al-Shabaab. And Somalia has not you, asked Mr. these Bryden, troops you, to leave. Yeah, so do you not think yes. that Somalia is justified then in calling Ethiopia an aggressor? Well, on the one hand, Somalia is not asking Ethiopian troops to leave southern Somalia. Uh, on the other hand, it's calling it an aggressor for annexing a part of territory in, in, in Somaliland, which in fact is a lease or a concession. Now, historically, Ethiopia obtained a concession in Somaliland, in Berbera, several years ago, a 20% stake in the management of Berbera port, to which Somalia raised no objection. So it's not clear why um, several years ago, almost a decade, Ethiopia, uh, or Somalia rather, consented to Ethiopia's uh, co-management of Berbera port, but now is raising an objection to a lease arrangement on the Somali coast. And let's face it, military leases in foreign countries are nothing new in the international system either. Okay, Mr. Ayante, would you like to respond to that? Yeah, uh, precisely. Uh, first of all, as I said earlier, um, the reason why the Somali government has never objected to the uh, Berber port deal was simply because there was no problem um, between Somalia and Ethiopia when it comes to commercial um, engagements and trade between the two countries. And Somalia considered the Berber port deal as part of that. But now comes two other strings that are two dangerous for Somalia. One is annexation um, of a territory, and another is a naval base, and a third one is recognition of parts of Somalia. That is what is unacceptable now. I think so. And in okay. relations to the Ethiopian forces in Somalia, I think it's important to say that, yes, they are part of a broader peacekeeping mission. Uh, but if Ethiopia takes the next steps and moves ahead with this MOU, I think the Somali uh, government has all the tools at its disposal, including um, asking the Ethiopian forces to leave Somalia um, when it's appropriate. All right. Mr. Mohammed, as we've been Talking about Ethiopian troops are in Somalia as part of the international task force that's been fighting al-Shabaab. The U.S. Special Envoy for the Horn of Africa said that this agreement is being weaponized by the armed group, that they have seen troubling indications that al-Shabaab is using it to, to generate new recruits. Are you worried that what Ethiopia has been... Uh, fighting for in Somalia and fighting against al-Shabaab, that these huge international efforts could be undermined? Uh, no, well, uh, I think it's the other way. Uh, this just is a, a continuation of, of uh, the noble uh, uh, intervention uh, Ethiopia has uh, uh, in the neighboring country, uh, Somalia, 
So uh, having the naval base is going to strengthen uh, uh, the fight against Al-Shabaab. We also have a stronger Somaliland who can uh, also join in fighting Al-Shabaab. And also, uh, so I don't see, I don't see uh, uh, that much fear coming uh, from okay, Al-Shabaab because the, the, same thing, the same thing that's happening, uh, you know, before it just happened. Uh, I appreciate uh, what the other panelists was telling about uh, the intervention in Barbara, and also uh, mind you that for almost three decades there was there wasn't a leader from uh, uh, the federal government that came to even Hargeisa. So I don't I don't see why owners now it becomes an issue that when a neighboring um, uh, country like Ethiopia comes and uh, supports us uh, for mutual benefit, it becomes an issue. Uh, I don't even think Al-Shabaab has a big issue in this, unless some people are using this for political cause. But because right. there's nothing new. It's, Mr. Ayante, let, uh, let, let me put that to you, since you are in Somalia. Do you share, you know, the U.S. concerns that this deal by emboldening armed groups in Somalia could really undermine regional security? Yes, of course. I mean, in fact, as I said earlier, uh, Al-Shabaab, the, the, the most uh, menacing terrorist group in the Horn of Africa today, is uh, there precisely because of an earlier Ethiopian invasion. I think this will help um, uh, you know, Al-Shabaab recruit a lot more people, and it will tap into a reservoir of, of nationalistic fervor in Somalia. But beyond that also, uh, it's almost certainly going to lead to a broader regional instability with other countries getting involved, because this will be seen as a threat to peace and security in the region. And, uh, you know, for Ethiopia to do that when it's hosting the African Union, which um, its own charter says that no member state should be infringing on other member states' uh, uh, sovereignty really um, is un, uh, you know, unfathomable in, in so many ways. All right. Mr. Bryden, you spoke earlier of the many different interests at play here. The port would be managed by an Emirati company, and we've seen the United Arab Emirates trying to increase its influence in the region. It supports various groups in Yemen um, on the other side of the Gulf of Aden. Do you see this? Do you see the United Arab Emirates playing any part here in trying to increase its influence in, in, in the Gulf of Aden to access that key shipping uh, route of the Red Sea and Suez Canal? I don't think we yet see um, the influence of the United Arab Emirates in, in this deal uh, between Somaliland and Ethiopia. Uh, the UAE administers or manages uh, much of the port of Berbera in Somaliland as part of a previous arrangement. But what Ethiopia seems to be angling for, um, as, as other speakers have said, is, is more of a military base to the west of Berbera, uh, independently of this uh, Emirati concession. So I think we're looking at a, a, a piece of territory that would be administered or controlled by Ethiopia under the terms of the lease. Now, characterizing that as annexation, I think, is just overblown. Uh, this would be a concession, a lease agreement, and, uh, and according to the terms of the MOU, which nobody's seen, uh, we're told we should expect it to be a 50-year concession. Now, the, uh, the issue here is that Ethiopia probably doesn't have the means at the moment to either build a naval base or a port or the infrastructure connecting such a facility to the Ethiopian homeland. So for there, I think we should expect Addis Ababa to be looking for financing um, okay. abroad, whether that comes from the Emirates or China or some other uh, close partner of, of Ethiopia, I don't think we can speculate at this stage.
Okay, Mr. Mohamud, we know the toll that the Tigray war has taken on Ethiopia economically, politically too, and that it is looking for financing. Is it also looking, is Ethiopia also looking to divert attention away from the problems as a result of the Tigray war, from the conflict that's now happening in the Amhara region? Well, the, 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 the situation in Ethiopia is, is now getting better. Now we are in a better stability than we were before. There is no reason that we divert attention. This is a clear need for Ethiopia to have a direct access. I, I like the other fans said, uh, I don't see where the calculation comes that like a country is more developing when it doesn't have access to a direct sea. We know how much we are paying every year, uh, you know, uh, through uh, ports that we are paying a lot of money now. So th there is no way that this is related to any other conflicts. Speaking of the Ethiopian situation, where the peace situation is now is better than yesterday and will be also totally peaceful uh, soon or, or later. So it's all about economic uh, strengths, economic interaction, and also for the benefit of both neighboring countries. And speaking of the federal government of Somalia, they should not forget that this Chichika, where I'm speaking from, is the capital city of Somalia region, one of mm -hmm. the biggest regions in Ethiopia, where we have a huge Somali community, uh, which is part of Ethiopia, and all Ethiopians are going to benefit. And also the Somalis in Somalia are going to benefit. So they okay. have to see this as a very positive and bold move, uh, which is going for mutual benefit. There's no Mr. any Ayente? other political code associated with this. Yeah, Mr. Ayente, mutual benefit, Mr. Mohamud says, perhaps with the people of Somaliland, but is there any way for Somalia to see it that way? What, what is it going to take for Somalia to, um, you know, to de-escalate what's happening between the countries? Well, Somalia has drawn the line already, uh, and it said that the MOU uh, has to be retracted before any discussion could, could open. And I think Somalia is justified to do that simply because, you know, no country can simply um, violate another country's sovereignty and territorial integrity and expect that victim to be just silent and somehow complicit in that um, in that annexation process. Here, I, I think it's important to highlight that, in fact, Ethiopia is facing deep internal crisis. It's not true to say that Ethiopia is more stable today than it was 15 years ago. It's a lot more divided. Um, there are well, in the Oromia region, in Amhara region, and in other regions. And Ethiopia just defaulted in it on its loan just last month. So I don't know where it can get the money to do all of this. All right. Mr. Ayente, um, we only have about a minute left in the program, so I'd like to bring Mr. Bryden in now. What do you think it would take to solve this, resolve this dispute now? I think the core issue is actually not between Somalia and Ethiopia. It's between Somalia and Somaliland. Somaliland has been functioning as, a, as an independent state for the better part of more than 30 years. Um, Somalia has been a failed and fragile state. It doesn't actually assert control over most of its territory, its borders, its airspace, or its seas. So this is a it's a hypothetical argument. It's a sovereignty and a legal argument. The, the issue is, it, can Somalia appeal to Somaliland and make the people there want to be part of Somalia? Um, or are they just going to use the instruments of juridical sovereignty to try to claim this territory which, you know, it right now is is disputed. Many of the people in that territory don't want to be part of Somalia. So this really is about a Somalia-Somaliland dispute and not really about Ethiopia, which is simply recognizing a state of affairs that has existed for more than three decades.
That is very interesting. I can see Abdi Ayente doesn't agree, but we have run out of time, so perhaps we can continue this discussion another day. Uh, thank you to all of our guests. That is Kamal Hashi Mohamud in Jijiga, Ethiopia, Matt Bryden in Nairobi, and Abdi Ayente in Kampala. This episode was produced by Mohamed El Aishi, Fintan Monahan, Abla Kla, and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Aston Goodison. The program was edited by Sarun Murali, Lynn Nguyen, Vanessa Keneally, and Joe DeFries. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening and tune in on Saturday for our next edition. On the next Necessary Tomorrows, the United States is returning to the moon. And liftoff of Artemis One. We're in a space race today, just as we were in the 1960s. And the stakes are even higher. But some, like science fiction writer Deji Alukatin, wondered if humanity would learn lessons from its past. If we're going to move off of our planet, how do we do that in a responsible way? We can't assume that we can just grab whatever we want and it'll come back. Sharing the stars on Necessary Tomorrows, a new podcast by Doha Debates and Al Jazeera. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts.